If you need a roof, my office is right down the corridor here. Just feel free to come see me. Well, as he, uh, Brian said, my name is Todd Knight, and um, married to Jackie, 27 wonderful years. And uh, I just wanted to, just, for those of you who don't know me, I just want to tell you a little bit about myself before I got, to, got into the message this morning. I uh, was born in Virginia and spent the first 15 years of my life there. Uh, it was an interesting time because it was, a, uh, it was like a political hotbed where I lived. We were like a suburb of Washington, D.C. And so every, just everything was, your identity politically was like a big deal there. And the other thing being part of the, and they took so seriously about being connected, being part of the South, is that like pedigree and family heritage was like a big deal. You get down there in Virginia and North Carolina and Georgia, I mean, those people can trace their, everybody can trace their family roots back like 200 years. I mean, everybody knows where they come from. And I remember my grandmother telling me, now boy, you better know that your great, great, great grandfather was Robert E. Lee and don't you ever forget it. It was like, it's like yes ma'am. It was, just, it was just interesting. And I just remember moving to Texas and we, I was about 15 going to high school, East Texas in Longview and politics weren't a big deal in Longview. And, uh, I like that. It was a little more laid back, and so uh, that's where my, I still have family there. Grew up there and had a great time. Uh, but in uh, 1987, I uh, got married to Jackie, and uh, we were just kind of... Uh, well, I knew that I needed to get us into church because we had been on about a four- or five-year hiatus where we had not darkened the doors of a church. We're not walking with the Lord and uh, my parents had divorced, and I just knew that if I had any chance of making it till death do us part, that we better get back into church somehow. And so we went back to a church out of familiarity, and, uh, but one of the things we started praying for was for new friends. And because we had a group of friends, we were running with these people, but it was kind of one foot in church and, you know, one foot out in the, in the world on the weekends. And it was just, we were trying to decide, you know, are we going to go to church and, you know, kind of do the deal and just live our lives you know, how we want to? Or were we going to get serious about following God? And the, the piece that God highlighted for us was that, was to start praying for new friends. We were like, we have got to have somebody to run with because we all know how important relationships are on the journey, how they make a difference, how it's, it's energy, and it's, it's so important to have friends to share life with and to grow with and raise kids with and share the joys and the struggles. And so we began praying, and uh, one Sunday morning, we looked up on the back row and we saw this young couple. Their names were Jamie and Kim Miller. We were in our early, mid-twenties, and uh, God just gave us a friendship, and it was interesting, um, you know, Jamie and Kim had kids a few, few years after that and planted the church, and uh, Jackie and I, we've been here at Christ Fellowship 21 years now, and I've been uh, just honored and thrilled to be able to serve as one of the elders over the last 10 years. And so it's just, as I look back on this journey here, at how the church has changed me, changed us, transformed us, I really 
can't imagine a lot more transformation having occurred because it's been so radical, so deep, so widespread, so influential that it's just, this is life. This is normal. And we love the church, we love the people, and we love what God has done in us uh, by being part of a body of Christ. But as I look at that at the same time, I see that it, it, it wasn't by accident. It didn't, it didn't just happen. And I want to tell a story today uh, about give, give you, to give you some insight on that. And so Jamie, as you know, he just completed a, a series uh, called uh, Restoring the Soul in Psalms 23. And so I asked him a week or two ago, I said, hey, would it be okay if I did one more message on restoring the soul? Jamie said, absolutely not. But I thought, hey, he's out of town this week. We'll just, <laughs> I did not account on Kim being here this morning. So, you know, I'm kidding. Jamie said, of course. But uh, we do joke around a lot and have fun with each other. So if you would, uh, turn over to Psalm 24. My prayer is that God would redefine some things for us this morning and perhaps even remind us of some things. Psalms 24, 1 through 6 is where we're going to go. It says, the, Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. He founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god, they will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. So wow, what a contrast from Psalm 23. You know, we read about the Good Shepherd and him leading us by, by still waters. It's very different in, in chapter 24. But at the same time, I love the idea and the heart that 24 is communicating about having clean hearts and a pure hands before the Lord. As I read that, I'm acutely aware that that psalm can be interpreted. In fact, when I first read it, I, I winced because I knew what it meant, but I saw how it could be interpreted to describe a God who's very difficult to approach. But that's not what's going on here. You see, 24 was actually strategically placed right behind 24. It was put there to show the contrast. It, show, it, it was put there to show both parts of who God is, different opposing sides. 23 is an invitation to God's grace. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. 24 is about our response to the grace. You know, we look in 23 and we see the Father's pastoral heart, and then over in 24 we see the majesty and the grandeur he owns it all. He owns all the cattle. He owns the earth and everything in it. He is mighty and majestic. 
But what I learned was having clean hands and a pure heart that it's talking about is not about an absence of sin, but rather a desire to be clean before God. We have that picture, John. If you've ever been to the Wailing Wall, they have water at the Wailing Wall. And before you approach it, you clean your hands, you wash your hands before you go there as a sign of your desire to be clean before God. And so they knew what this meant when they read this. You know, and it's a good thing because none of us could ascend the mountain of the Lord if it depended on our own cleanliness to get there. You know, the, you think about the ocean. It doesn't have to do anything special in order to stir up the mire and the dirt. It's just the result of its natural motions. And in the same way we know that willpower is never going to set us free from the ingrained habits that we struggle with. You know, it's like we think to ourselves, man, I, d- I had no intentions of that anger erupting out of me. I had no intentions of that careless word slipping out. I had no, I had no plan to say things that hurt you. I didn't mean for it to come across that way. But our mouth always betrays us, and our body language in the end always reveals the truth of how we really feel. It's because the will has the same deficiency of the law. It only deals with the external. But if we think back and remember about when salvation showed up at our doorstep, it wasn't about some formula, it wasn't about trying to get it worked out. God's grace just showed up and swept us off of our feet. And transformation began to occur. And the good news about that is in Romans 5.17. It says that those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. So where the grace of God shows up, there's people reigning, living above who they are living above the circumstances, living above their mind. There's people reigning, living up here in the heavenlies when God's grace shows up to meet us there. But what I have found is that the grace flows more freely when my heart's submitted to His life. What I mean by that is you think of Romans 8.6. It says the, the mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. So I've got a choice. I've got a choice of what I want to focus on. I can, God has given me the, the, the choice, the free will, to choose the things of the mind, to choose the things of the world. I am welcome to do that. It will bring death to my soul. Things will begin to die. Things will begin to get pushed down. And eventually, the life of God gets stifled inside of me. And I wake up one day and think, where'd you go, God? But the mindset on the Spirit, it's life and peace. And so I have the choice to choose what I will give my life to. I have the choice to choose what I will give my time to, what I will soak my mind in. I have that freedom, choice to do it. You know, it's just like the farmer. He's kind of helpless to make the crops grow. But he has a responsibility to get out there. And so he attempts to go out and to provide 
the best conditions he possibly can. His heart is to, his will, his, his thought, his plan is to make the field the best he can in order for it to be in a position to receive what's coming. And so he goes out and he cultivates the ground. He puts the seeds in the ground. He waters the ground. And then what happens? Natural forces begin to take over. And he has done his work. But the forces begin to come and move and make life appear from something that had no life on its own. And what I've seen, what I want to even suggest to us today, is that the disciplines of the spiritual life are a means to receiving his grace. This has been my experience. And I want to try to explain this to you a little bit this morning. I feel like in one way, the spiritual disciplines, they're kind of like God's way of getting us in the ground. Okay? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said the grace of God is free and unearned. But if we expect to grow, someone's got to pay the price of a conscious choice of actions. Okay? Which reading that kind of reminded me, for those who were able to attend World Mandate as we watched uh, the video of the Antioch staff as all of kind of the original staff that was part of the church 17, 20 years ago getting it started. As they all sat around the table talking with how God had moved in their lives and the sacrifices that they had paid, the sacrifices that they had made, they had chosen in order for this to become a reality. And they talked about it with joy. They talked about it as if it was the greatest thing that ever happened to them. They talked about how challenging it was. They talked about how ridiculous it was, how hard it was, how life-giving it was. And then they said, here we are. Look at us. We've got people sitting at the table that are making differences all around the nation, all around the world, with a bunch of college kids who had just gotten out of college and said, I want God to make a difference in my life. I believe he can do it. I'm going to follow him with all I've got. It was just a powerful time to see that. And so really, it's the main thing I want to say today, is that God is offering a path of disciplined grace to release the inner joy of transformation. God is offering a path of disciplined grace to release the joy and freedom of inner transformation. You know, the reality is in the Christian life, we meet God, we get touched by God, and we become, we be filled with His life. And we're different. Things are never the same again. But the reality is that it takes time to begin, like the farmer, it takes time to begin to develop these things these growths, these habits, these things that put us before God. We have to learn how to walk these things out, how to allow these things to be built and placed and grown on our lives. And, kind of, and spiritual gifts are gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. But spiritual disciplines, they're like these finely honed tools that God puts before us that aid us on our spiritual walk. And... Again, they just take time to incorporate and to develop into our life. I love uh, 
You know, I read this, uh, many of you are familiar with uh, Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. Read this book 15 years ago, and we're reading it again in core right now. And I'm just loving as, uh, hearing as we sit around our table in core, and every week after week, we go around and we just talk about what God's saying to us through these disciplines and how He's touching us and how He's showing us new things again, how He's transforming our hearts, how He's opening us up to the ways of God. It's, it's just, it's a powerful, and it's a, it's a discipleship experience. We're getting together, we're sharing uh, what God's doing in our life, but we're growing in it together. It's a beautiful thing. And so to kind of give you some handles of what I'm talking about, these are a few of the spiritual disciplines. There's more of those. This is not a comprehensive list, but I want to give you some handles to, so you know what we're talking about today. And I'm going to explain these to you and, and give you some context for them as well. Um, so meditation. You know, meditation is not complicated. Meditation is just the simple practice of getting before God, just listening to Him, getting quiet, listening to God, and then hearing God, and then doing what He says. It's as simple as that. Um, and I'll explain some more on that. Prayer. Prayer is powerful because the more we pray, when we get into the presence of God and begin praying and the words start coming out, then we start getting filled with the desires of God. And then things start changing and start happening when we are praying and thinking and being transformed by what heaven is bringing to earth. Fasting. Fasting is usually uh, it's about an abstinence of various things. Typically it involves food, abstaining from food, and it's usually when I've got something happening in my life that I need a desperate change in my life. I need a wholesale change. I need to get free of something. I will uh, step into a season of, of fasting for some deep transformation. Study. Uh, study is, you know, we, we want to be following God, mind, will, emotions, spirit, everything. And so worship, prayer, those things will touch us, uh, in emotions and, and, and soul. We want our mind transformed. And so when I have been taught to believe something one way for a very long time and it's not God's way or it's not completely under heaven, I need to spend some time and study in order to let the Word of God transform me. Chastity. We want to be a people that are pure. We, we do not want the culture deciding what is the bar for how we live in, in purity. And so I, I, we want to be people that uh, in our marriages that are completely uh, given to one another. In our, in our singleness, we want to be men and women that live in purity before God. And so we want God to speak into that for us. Discipleship, just a time of, at some point in the journey, the life, it, it doesn't always become about me. And I want to start thinking and helping and investing in some other people. And so it could be a season of uh, spending some time with people in order to help invest in them. Evangelism. Again, uh, we've been given a, a very clear call to share the gospel, share this good news with people. And so we want to be out planting the seeds of the gospel. There's different ways to do that. There's you know, treasure hunts and things, but the primary way that this happens in our life is for us one-on-one -on -one to be sharing in the spheres that God has given us. That's where we have influence for evangelism. Uh, service. We want to be able to roll up our sleeves and serve wherever we're needed. We're not real big into titles around here. We're, we're real big into following Jesus. We don't take ourselves all that seriously, but we take following God very seriously. And so service is a part of it. We want to be actively involved in serving and helping and growing and being part of the team here. Simplicity. Uh, simplicity is something on the inside of us. Simplicity 
is, a, is an inward way, meaning that I don't have the ache to have to have everything all the time. I'm free of that. And I have a, a simple way about me. Uh, stewardship. We want to be faithful in all that God has given us in time, resources, money, uh, giftings, talents. We want to be faithful. We want to multiply those. We want to use them well before God. But we want to be faithful in, in managing how we use those. Solitude. Uh, solitude is an inner peace and contentment. There is, I am an over-extrovert, but every now and then I have got to get away to have a quiet day with God. I need a 24-hour retreat to get out and get with God, me by myself, and just listen and be at peace. It also gets worked out in community where we are filled with Jesus on the inside that I don't have to have an opinion on every single thing that's being said around me in my sphere. Sometimes I just, can just let control go and say, God, you're big enough to take care of this on myself. I'm just going to let Jesus rule my heart right now. Celebration, uh, submission. Uh, whew, shout out. Give me a shout out for that one, won't you? <laughs> submission. It's re- really what it's about. It's just letting go of control. Just letting our rights go. We, we get put into places where I am right and you are wrong on this matter. And so I am going to impose my rightness on you. That is the way of hell. Okay? Jesus says, let your rights go. You don't always have to be right. Let me work things out for you. And watch me set you free. Watch me, allow me to defend you in this place. Just let it go sometimes in Christ. Okay? You could say a whole lot more about that, but... All right. Uh, Celebration. Yeah. We are going to celebrate. Okay? Did you know that around the movement of Antioch we're known as the Happy Church, the Joy Church? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know why? Again, because we don't take ourselves all that seriously, but we take Jesus real seriously. And we want to have fun. If we're not having fun on the journey, I ain't going. I want to have fun while we're doing this. I want to enjoy the process, okay? And doggone it, when it's time to celebrate, let's do it good. That's part of the deal. We want to enjoy. We want to celebrate the things that are worthy of celebrating. Celebrating life group multiplications. Celebrating the things that God's doing in our life. Celebrating milestones along the way. Let's take time and worship God and thank Him and then enjoy what God has accomplished through us as a church, as a people. Confession. Uh, Confession, we will will find ourselves walking in, in confession when we have a desire for something to change in our lives. It's normal. It's natural. Um, you know, I was just thinking how we have the elders and wives, we get together once a month, and we come together to share a meal, to be together, uh, to worship, to pray about what's going on in the church. We have pastoral things we want to talk through and, and help work through. And it is not an uncommon thing for us to lay that agenda down from time to time because we need to care we need to share, shed some tears with each other because of what we're going through. Of the, we've, we've stepped on each other's foot or something, or we've just, we've just blown it. We've gotten into our, our flesh, and we're just we're repenting. We're like, I'm sorry. God, have mercy on me. We've, we're in a bad season, people. Help us. And we've, every one of us, at some point, just around the time, like, we, it's, we just want to be right before God. 
And so confession is a, a normal thing because when I want this to change in me, pray for me, help me. Uh, seeking guidance. Seeking gui- we have such a value of hearing in community. And so you will see in the, in the culture here that when we have big decisions to make, we have important decisions to work through, we want to be sharing those things with the people that we're sh- uh, sharing life with, we're living life with. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about moving. Uh, I'm thinking about taking a new job. We're thinking about getting the kids uh, into public school. We're thinking about the kids going into homeschool. We're thinking about moving somewhere. We're thinking about buying a car or going into debt. There's, there's power in coming and going, hey, friends that love me that I'm sharing life with, do you all have any thoughts about this? I remember uh, just a couple years ago in a, in a life group we were in, and, and the leaders of the life group came to the life group one night and uh, they were thinking about purchasing a business. And they came to the group and said, hey, we're, uh, we're thinking about purchasing this other business over here. Does anybody in the group have any thoughts on this? Does anybody hearing the Lord say anything about this? It was so powerful as we went around the room one by one by one and they humbly accepted and wanted to hear what the rest of the group had to say. It was a very powerful thing. And what was even more powerful was the decision they ended up making was, we're not going to do this right now because we're here in the Lord in community and we just feel like we need to wait on this right now. And I just, I just remember sitting there going, that's awesome. That is powerful. And it's right. It was healthy. And who knows, could have saved them from a you know, big mess or something if it just wasn't God's timing to do it. So uh, worship. Worship is our response to being loved. It's involuntary. When you have been loved and experienced in that love, it's just, Jesus, you're so, you're so wonderful. I stand here before you without merit, undeserving of this love and grace. I am compelled to worship you. And so we want to be lovers of God. We want to be free to worship God because it does something so much, so powerful, so deep in us. And the interesting thing here, as I look at this list, I don't like this list all that much. I've got my favorites. What are yours? <laughs> you know, we read through that and we're like, oh, man, yeah, the prayer meditation, I'm into that. The fasting, no, I like hamburgers. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And it's, that's normal. We're not going to, we're all going to see this list, list uh, differently. We're all going to experience it differently. So be okay with that. But I guess what I want to say in that, it's not a la carte. This ain't Luby's. <laughs> we got to take, we, we want, we want to take, and here's what will happen. If we would just say yes, just say yes, we will see the transformation that our hearts are so longing, that we're so desiring to happen. Just let God work it out. Let God, there's seasons, it's ebbs and flows. We're in some of these things more than others and, and so forth. And so, but just say, Lord, what do you want to do in my life? I'm in, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to this. If you've been around CF very long, honestly, this isn't all that new to you because it's the culture that we live in. And the awesome thing about, I love about this is that our life groups are the wineskin 
that we have created as a laboratory to work these things out and to build these things in our lives. It's just our basic discipleship. And I just want to encourage us to get in and then go the distance. Because there's something powerful about just saying yes, getting in the game, and then help the thing get off the ground, watch the airplane get up, and, and, and as it starts shaking on the way up, stay with it until it gets and settles out. And then when it hits a couple pieces of turbulence along the way, don't get off. Don't stay. Stay until this thing comes down. That's when the trend, you will be a different person. I have done this over and over and over in the 21 years here at Christ Fellowship. We have led 10 life groups. We've been a part of a bunch of other ones. And I'm just telling you, there is no substitute for walking in this level of community and, tra- and transformation. I've been in life groups that have been awesome and wonderful, and I've been in life groups that I couldn't wait to get out of. Okay? It just, that's normal. It just happens, okay? I've been in life groups that I've led, multiplied three times. I've been in life groups that I led for six months and had to close them down. But I'm in the game. I'm just on it. We're going to keep doing this because I know it works. I've seen it happen. I've experienced it. I believe in it with all my heart. It's not perfect. It's not, it's not the end all, but it works. And if you'll stay with it, watch God transform you. Watch God set you free. And watch God raise you up and take you to the places that your heart's longing to go. You know, our core values here, they've always been real simple. Love God. Let's love one another. Let's love the others. It's not complicated. It's not shiny. It's not a real flashy thing. But I'm telling you, this is the call of God on our lives. We have had books written about us. We have had authors mention us on all the things that are going on here. And it is just about simple faithfulness, just doing what God tells us to do, putting the next step in front of the other, just staying with it, staying on the game. That is how God is bringing about radical transformation to us. Our heart here is just to open the Word of God. Let's read what it says. Let's do what it says. And let's try to live it. It's as simple as that. But it's not easy. So, share a couple stories with you. You know, this church was basically born out of a prayer meeting that happened about 20 years ago, or 22 years ago, or something. <laughs> we didn't know it at the time, had no idea. But what happened was we decided with a group of people, about 25 people or so, that we were going to gather at this couple's house in the church on every Friday night for one year. Every Friday night for one year. You think that's a commitment? I'm telling you, this was in South Lake, Texas, where there is no thing bigger than football on Friday nights. Every Friday night for one year. Okay. Now granted, most of the people that were there had, had little kids, so their kids may not have been in the, involved in the, uh, the football games and things like that, or maybe they had kids that were older. But we had some. And... We came and we gathered every single Friday. Lights out in the house. We sat in darkness on the floors or in chairs, listening to music, praising God with the idea that we are going to come and we are going to gather and we are going to seek God. 
I don't know what's going to happen tonight. We are coming and we're going to seek God because we believe that God has something to show us, has something to reveal, reveal, reveal to us. And so week after week, Jackie and I were living in Carrollton, Texas. The prayer meeting was in South Lake on Friday night. It was only about 45 minutes every Friday. And we would drive there and show up week after week and just begin praying. And all during this time, we began to see wild, unbelievable things happening, gifts being poured out, prophetic words being shared, people just getting transformed through the process, just words of knowledge popping up. We had never experienced seeing any of this, and it was incredible. What came from that was Jamie and Kim getting stirred. We, wanted, we don't want Friday nights to be like this. We want life to be like this. We want church to be like this. And so a church got birth out of this during that process. During that time, it's kind of when Jackie and I started discovering prayer and meditation and started experimenting with meeting with Jesus every single morning. Uh, it was an experiment. It was a clunky experiment on the front end. It was a, we were just trying to get there, trying to figure out how do you, hey, you get up and you, what do you do? You open the Bible. You're supposed to listen to music. You're supposed to pray for an hour. Uh, what are you supposed to do? Um, I don't know. Let's, let's just get to the place and we'll see what God does. And we started out, you know, <laughs> we started out three days a week. That was, that was our goal. Maybe we can get there three days a week. We'll feel good about ourselves. And then it grew into four days a week and da 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 I remember being at Life Group one night and we were talking about quiet times and prayer times. And as we were talking, I told somebody, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm about a three day a week or four day a week on the, on the quiet time thing. And what they said back to me changed my prayer time. They said, oh, oh, Todd, I don't, I don't think you're a four day a week Christian. I think you're a seven day a week Christian. I was like, that's it. I'm in. But it spoke to me. I was like, yeah, why am I struggling with this so hard? Why am I making this so difficult? Why? Just go ahead and surrender, Todd. Just go ahead and give the rest to Jesus. And so we did. And it changed everything. And then we took Jesus with us on, on vacations. And he would go with us. And we would spend every morning on vacation. Holidays. We'd go to my family's house. We couldn't wait. We'd get up in the morning before everybody got up. And every time they'd wake up, they'd see us outside on the porch, see Jackie sitting on the couch. They're like, what are y'all doing? We're like, nothing. Just reading. But it was like, it was life to us. It, it, it's, it's just who we were. We wanted to grow in this. We loved Jesus. We wanted him to have his way in us. And so it was a, it was a, a powerful season for us. And then uh, fasting, we started experimenting with that some. Uh, you know, we're doing a, doing a one-day fast, turned into a three-day fast. You know, and just, we were just experimenting, growing with it. Uh, I had a season where I was just really trying to find God. I wanted to, some breakthroughs in my life. And so I found myself... Uh, I went on a fast I did uh, every other day for 30 days I don't recommend it but I did it and then I, but, but I, I was just trying to follow and obey God that's all this was about and so I got done with the 30 days and I was like Lord what do I, what do, I do now and I felt like God said do it again I was like Dad, come in. <laughs> 30 days again so I went on and did another 30 days every other day and I'll confess to you the first 30 days was very life-giving. It, it was an amazing time for me. And honestly, the last, that last month of doing it, it got real mechanical, and I was kind of ready for it to be over at the end because it was, it, was, it was hard. And so, but I was just experimenting with it. I was trying to keep going forward in God. 
there are people sitting in this room that have done much longer fast. We've got plenty of people that have done 21-day fast. There's 40-day fast people all around the room. And it's just, I'm not suggesting at all that everybody here needs to do some extended fast. I'm just trying to give you some handles for like, this is normal. This is what God is doing. God is doing it as people. And when we want God, we need God. We're hungry for God. We will find these things being stirred up in us. Another real pivotal uh, piece for me it was back in about 1994, I think it was. We had had Jamie Kim over for dinner one night. It was a common thing for us, just as friends, like you guys do. Just got together to have dinner, hang out. Didn't have any real big agenda. Uh, but it was common for us to talk about the Lord in, in those times. And uh, kind of an un- unassuming evening, but I remember Jackie and Kim were talking about something. I was sitting on the couch, Jamie and I were talking, and he got serious for a minute. And I just remember him, he was just kind of staring off down at the floor, talking to me. And I was just looking at him. He said, something's changing. Something's changing. He said, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but this is the gist of what what he said. He goes, I'm living all my days for Jesus. I'm not holding back. I'm not going to let this culture decide how me and my family live. And I'm giving up everything. I want to I let everything in my life go so that I can have Jesus and He can be glorified in my life. Everything. And I'm sitting there listening to Him and I'm realizing as He's saying this, there are immediate implications for me. <laughs> Which is what we would all do when we hear something like that. And seriously, I'm going, uh, okay, uh, I kind of thought we were going for Jesus, but, uh, but here's, here's, here's where I got to. Because I thought, all right, man, he's been, I'm trying to think, who, what pastor was he with last weekend? He's been talking to somebody. I was like, Is it, what's the book? He must be reading a book right now, man. It's just got him all stirred up. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm trying to think. And this life that he's describing, this, this way of living, I had never seen it. I didn't know anybody living like this. And so it was a foreign concept to me. And so my question to him was, who do you know living like this, Jamie? Because that's where we all go, is with the, the measuring sticks are who's sitting next to us. The measuring sticks are who we're, who's in life group with us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of one step ahead of him, so I mean, I feel like I'm really on the journey. But, you know, I mean, I'm... I'm kind of neck and neck with her. I mean, in the spirit, I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of doing this thing, I think. And I, that, come on. Everybody's like, dude, we don't know what you're talking about. So I asked Jamie, I said, hey, I said, who do you know living like this? And I was waiting for him to tell me the name to see if I recognized the person. And you know what he said? He said, Jesus. Jesus, only one I know. It was a blow away. So I was like, dog, gone. The bar just got seriously raised. <laughs> but I knew he was serious. And I knew it was right. I really had no, <laughs> I had no objection. I couldn't really argue with him on what he was saying. I didn't know what it meant, though, exactly. I didn't know how it was going to get worked out. But you know what the result of that decision was? It's this church right here. 
It's the churches around the world. It's the people that have had their lives turned inside out because they've been discipled and offered a culture. And the wild thing about it is right now, it was a radical decision back then. Right now, we just call it being a normal disciple of Jesus. That's what, that's what the call was. Just be a disciple of Jesus. And we began walking that out. I'll be the first one to say that this type of living is it's not easy. It's free, but it's not without a sacrifice. Someone's got to make the sacrifice to make it normal. And God is laying that decision before us. What do I want to be normal for my relationship with my husband, with my wife? What do I want to be normal for my family? It's our decision, Mom and Dad. We can, we can just choose to run. We can choose to design it, whatever we want it to look like. I hear it when people come to the church for the, fir- for the first time. They walk in the door, and typically they're desiring one of two things. They're wanting spiritual depth. They're wanting more of God. But they're wanting relational depth. They're wanting a place where they can be real. A place where they can be honest. A place where they can be transparent. A place where their, their real self can be known. A place where it can be safe to, to spend life, to share life. And why do they ask that question? Because life's not always up and to the right. Stuff happens. Our relationships stumble. The car breaks down. We lose our job. People get sick. We say stuff to one another that we regret saying. We hurt people and we just make mistakes along the way. You know, trying to hold it all together, trying to hold just white knuckle through this life with God is not the sign of a disciple. Contrition and confession are the real signs of followers. They're the real signs of the disciples. The ones that say, I messed up again. God have mercy on me. God help me. But I'm falling forward continually. That's where the power is. That's where the transformation happens. I need to, I need to know that. I need to see that. I need to experience that. Love it. So I get to experience that here all the time. I hear it. I see it. I get to pray for people. I get people to pray for me. It's wonderful. And just contrition and confession have been one of the most powerful disciplines in my life. It has set me free over and over and over again. But there's always a temptation for us to think that everybody else is on the spiritual high road ahead of us. Everybody else, there's a temptation for our minds to think, everybody's farther down the road than I am. Everybody's figured it out just a little farther, a little more than I have. And I want to say, guys, this is family. We're on the road together. And we are all at different places. Some of us have fell down and scuffed our knee a thousand times. And we are still on the team together. I have, you know, I have fallen. I have 
tripped along the way. And every now and then we get into those places where we get knocked down and we think, this is it. I'm not getting up on this one. I think I'll just die right here because it's just too hard, too heavy. And it's right when we get to those places. That's when God, he calls Yancey, go over there and pick up Todd, dust him off. Jamie, put the tourniquet on, stop the bleeding for him. God calls Grant and says, give him some fresh water, pour it into him. And then life becomes back into us again and we're like, all right, I'm back. We're back coming again. And that's, that's life. It happens to us sometimes. But the beauty and the power is that God loves us. Jesus is in love with us and he is committed to us as a people. He will not, he will not let us go. In our darkest days, he will not let us go. He will hold us, he will meet us, he will restore us. Let him redefine that in your minds and hearts this morning. A couple closing thoughts here. I love how God has used the disciplines in our life because he helps make faith simple through these things. You know, how often do we feel discouraged about the decision we've made or we just don't know what to do and then we're just, we find ourselves just struggling in that place. And I want to say that the spiritual disciplines have a way of just clearing out the superfluous things and getting our eyes back on Jesus. And when we get our eyes back on Jesus where they ought to be, then life begins flowing again. Clarity becomes coming to our soul. When that happens, hope and peace begin to return. And as we know, everything changes. And hope and peace are flowing in our lives. Like anything, there are some you know, pitfalls of the spiritual disciplines. That, you know, If they're not seen for what they're intended to be, then we can get all funky and you know, messed up on them and use them out of context. Like, if it becomes more about just memorizing the verses instead of learning what they really mean, or if the fast becomes more about not eating food instead of talking with Jesus, then they're really not going to help us develop in our faith. And I want to say that God, people, He wants there to be life on what we're doing. He wants there to be life on what we're doing. And so if you've got something going on in your life and you're like, it's not working right now, maybe let it go for a little bit. Talk to somebody and say, what do you think? Do I just need to kind of move on from this right now and pick it up again in another season? Get some, get some help. It's okay. Sometimes, sometimes that's the most life-giving thing we can do. Sometimes we need to stay, in, stay with it a little bit longer. But the Holy Spirit can tell us what time it is for us, what season it is for us. also just want to say that none of these disciplines are the answer. They only point us to the answer, who is Jesus. That's their purpose. If you would be standing with me.